Welcome to the Photo Banter Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gagne, and on today's podcast, I speak with award-winning photojournalist David Burnett. David Burnett has been a working photojournalist for over 50 years, where he has spent much of his career documenting everything from sports, politics, and the Olympics for publications such as Time Magazine, National Geographic, and Life Magazine, to name a few. David Burnett is someone who has a true passion for photography with a wealth of knowledge and experience, so it was a real pleasure getting a chance to speak with him about his amazing career in photography. I hope you guys enjoy it, and thanks so much for listening. Well, uh, David Burnett, uh, welcome to the podcast. Uh, Thanks for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it. Well, pleasure to be here. Yeah, definitely. Um, I guess before we got started in the interview, I was going to mention you have a photo exhibit coming up in a couple weeks, I believe on July 12th in Orleans, Mass., if if I read correctly, correct? You have read correctly at the Gallery Upstairs, which is at uh, Bob Korn's lab. Uh, Bob Korn Imaging is one of the better printers in New England of digital photography. And I, I actually uh, totally agree with the little um, tagline that he has on his email, which is, it's not a photograph until it's printed. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So let that be a lesson to everybody listening, both of you. That, <laughs> that uh, you know, all the stuff that we have on our phones and our iPads and our hard drives, uh, one good electrical storm and you have nothing. Mm. So yeah. at least you need like a, a, like a world-class flood or tornado to lose a print. You know what I mean? You gotta you gotta up the the level of danger. But the point is, when it's printed, you can see it, and it's not hiding on on a disk drive somewhere. So yeah, definitely, it's important, I think. And and I've got this show. Um, I think it's called Through His Lens or something like that. Yep, I should know that more appropriately. But I, yeah, it's, and so it includes pictures that go back. To even back to 1969, almost 50 years ago. Cool, yeah. Which, be... when you look at my youthful face, you wouldn't think it was possible I was taking pictures 50 years ago, but apparently I was, and having a pretty good time of it the whole 50 years. Wow, that's amazing. So it's just going to be a, a bunch of different photos. You know, it's going to be in the show, some of your Olympic stuff. And... It's a real mix. It's a it's a real mix. I I spent more than 40 years running around the world. Uh, for my own photo agency, which was, uh, it's, it's called contact press images based in New York. Mm. And my, I would have to say that probably my main client in all those years was time magazine. I had a summer job in college with time magazine back in 1967 and have kind of, um, you know, up until just a few years ago with the arrival of a new editor uh, who's kind of looking to bring new people into the magazine, but I worked for well over 40 years for time. And I did, I was really a lucky photographer. I was a real generalist. I, I, a generalist journalist. I got to do all kinds of things from, you know, the war in Vietnam and the, and the revolution in Iran and the civil war and, and coup d'etat in Chile to more mundane things like politics and sports and, uh, so it was uh, for me. It was really great to have had such a mixed. <coughs> sorry, uh, it was great to have such a mixed bag of, of work in my 
many years of shooting and that, and I still do that. I mean, the shooting I'm doing now is quite varied and, mm. um, you know, I don't find myself like locked into one kind of thing or one kind of genre. Yeah, no, that's exciting. That's the thing I've always kind of admired about your work, um, that you've kind of done a broad range of things. Um, did you ever feel like when you first started out, you needed to have like a niche, like you needed to be like all sports or have you always been kind of like a... Well, they used to tell you that, you know, they used to say that you need to kind of concentrate on something, but um, I don't know. I mean, it, it was one of those things where I think for me, I just was interested in something that was good journalism. And that was, you know, that I did spend a couple of years in Vietnam and, Picked up with Life Magazine while I was over there, and then came back to the States, and Life Magazine folded, and I was kind of out there. And it was like the in the you know in the seventies and eighties, there were people that were very specialized. You had the, the photographers at Sports Illustrated, for example, who really did almost nothing but sport. But um, other than that, I, I I always enjoyed the mix. You know, I mean, I think. After a while, I probably had a reputation that no matter how weird the thing was, I could come back with something. Yeah. And and that kind of led me to keep being sent to places that I didn't always know ahead of time what it was going to be. But those kind of sense, that sense of discovery and that chance to learn and and take your curiosity somewhere is really what kind of lit me up. And um I think for photographers today, it's probably not very different. I mean, people tend to, to have these real uh, concentrated uh, ideas of what they want to be. You know, if you want to be a sports photographer or you want to just do politics or, um, you know, there are any any number of things that you can kind of set yourself to or you could photograph pets, Yeah, pet portraits. That could be... <laughs> I, I could see that could be really fun for maybe at least two weeks. <laughs> the third week, I might start to wonder what the hell I was doing. But, um, I have a little five-year-old dog who, every time I look at him, looks differently, and the light is different, like it would be with a person. And I don't really shoot quite enough pictures of him, but he has his own Instagram page. Which oh, wow. I, actually, I, I need to plug that, because yeah. otherwise, why, that's yeah. the only way you get people to go to the uh, Instagram. I have my own Instagram page, which is David Burnett photo f-o-t-o yeah definitely i'll link, my I'll dog, link it here and my dog who's named uh little tyrone <laughs> is a little white uh poodle bichon frise and quite a uh, character and his instagram is they call me little tyrone <laughs> and it's a pretty hard one to forget once you've heard that one you're gonna you're gonna go there, people. So, are you, are you anyway, bring... we're looking for followers. Not, I would take all the followers I can get on mine, <laughs> but really, let's go check out Tyrone because he's gonna he's got like 200 followers, and we're looking to break that let's, 300. Yeah, mark, yeah. I'll, I'll do everything I can. I'll plug it at the end of the intro and everything. We'll get you know, some, and, get some people. And may I say, the pictures aren't bad, actually. Yeah, the pictures aren't bad. It's a combination of phone and 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 he is also the. Uh, the target of a lot of my tests, like, um, oh, you know, I, I just moved over from 40 years with Canon over to Sony, and um, the, one of the great things, I really like these, these Sony cameras, but one of the things I really love about them is that I can use all of my old 
Canon glass mm. on there, and some of which is even made by Nikon. I mean, like with a, I have a nineteen sixty four Nikon five hundred f five mirror lens, which I think was pretty much put together for the Tokyo Olympics in sixty four, yeah. and it was this long, fast lens. I mean f five for a five hundred was totally unheard of in those days. Yeah, um, and. And now, like somewhere in well, probably a couple of places in China and maybe elsewhere, but I know a lot of these things come from China. There's gonna there's a little shop somewhere with probably a an, an 80 year old guy who's a machinist, and he's like, "Well, what kind of camera are we gonna match to what kind of lens this week?" <laughs> yeah. And you know, it's unbelievable. You can get almost any lens off any camera. Uh, and put it on almost any camera now. I mean, that is fantastic. You can take the look of an old Xacta uh, Flectagon or something and put it on some kind of modern four-thirds camera. I, I, uh, I'm mainly shooting with the Sonys, but I had in the interim before I started doing that, I was uh, playing around with and quite enjoying the, uh, the Lumix G7 and GX7, okay. the little four-thirds cameras. And those are kind of cool because everything, it's, it's that quarter-sized chip, so everything is a double, like a 50 becomes a 100. So you can take an old 50 lens and turn it into a really hot portrait lens. And, you know, I th- this is a, an amazing time to be a photographer. You, you know, you didn't ask me this, but I'm just telling you. This is a great time to be a photographer. Not so much because the, there are, you know, somebody like me who, Worked in, in a magazine world for all these years. I worked for Geographic and Time and Life and Perry Match and yep. and some. You know, we used to get quite reasonable and sometimes excessive amounts of money because in those days you had magazines that had space, that had money because they were selling a lot of advertising, and they had a desire to win every week. They wanted to beat them. Uh, competition. Newsweek wanted to be Time, Time wanted to be Newsweek. Every now and then, U.S. News would, which was far less uh, of a budget, they would just like, decide to go all in on something. Mm. And they all wanted to do something good. So they would invest in their photographers. And these days, basically nobody invests in photographers except themselves. I mean, you have a few, you know, if you have somebody that... Find these guys that have a million followers on Instagram, and some company might come to them and have them do something, um, partially because they're talented, which they no doubt are if they've got that big of a following. Mm. But more importantly, they have a built-in audience that that has a chance to see this work that you could never really assume would happen now in the in the magazine world because. People have just stopped looking at magazines and they've lost the place they once had as these great purveyors of information and imagery. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's exciting. The one thing I've always kind of enjoyed about your work is like you're mentioning, like you shoot all these different cameras, like now you're shooting, you switched over to the Sony's and I know you're really well known for shooting with the Holga and your old speed graphics is, uh, mm-hmm. and just, I've always well, I had a job. I had a job for, uh, uh, a monthly magazine. I was down in Mississippi uh, two weeks ago, and I had an A7R3, a A6500 Sony, and a Speed Graphic with a lens from the 
43 aerial reconnaissance camera. Mm. So if that doesn't mix it up, <laughs> I don't know what does. Yeah, it just seems it seems like you're having a good time with it. Like you're you you've always you feel like you you've always been uh, happy to like embrace new technologies, but then at the same time, uh, kind of dig in the crate and try some of that old stuff too. It's just kind of fun for you. I love the old the old gear. It's really it's really something. I have to confess, I haven't been shooting much Holga in the last couple of years. I mean. The problem is, in the end, you can only do so many things, you know, so you kind of, yeah. uh, and I can't carry everything at one. I mean, I have a, there's a picture that a friend of mine shot of me at the Rio Olympics two years ago, where I've got my speed graphic on a tripod and like five other cameras on my shoulders, and I'm thinking, I'm sure glad I don't look like that guy. Oh, wait, that's me. <laughs> I mean, I'm just looking like a 90-year-old codger who's like, you know, I mean, you can be weighed down by the material. Sometimes you just you just have to kind of give something up. I love shooting two and a quarter. I, I bought a Bronica on eBay a couple of years ago. A Bronica six by six, and like every now and then, I'll just take that camera and go shoot it because it's so much fun. Mm. Yeah, no, you it's, know, it's fun. Stuff. I mean, we it. just we photographers define fun in ways that are different than most people but <laughs> it I, I still get a kick out of it and and the clock the you know the there's there are certain cameras in photography that have great they give they give great sound mm. the uh there's the bronica and and i mean the hasselblad's not bad i don't I don't like the sound of the Hasselblad as much as I like the Bronica. Oh, really? See, I'm, but, I'm, I'm, a Hass, uh, I'm a Hasselblad guy. I love that. I love this sound. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's once you've said using it a lot, I'm sure there's a very <laughs> reassuring sense of what that sound means each time you hit the shutter. Yeah. Uh, one that I, I really love, and I did a little mini, like, 15-second video of it and put it on Facebook a couple of years ago. It was a Canon 6V... Uh, 35 millimeter rangefinder camera, probably from about 1964, maybe. Yep. I'm guessing. And instead of like a thumb drive on top, it had a, a a little trigger on the bottom of the camera that you would pull down, and it would just stick out like a little uh, straight rod, little piece of metal. Yeah. And you the shutter with your right hand, and with your left hand, you would pull that thing across the bottom, and that would advance the film and caught the shutter mm. and that just the noise of that yeah coolest ever it's exciting so and that was worthy of its very own little mini video yeah and um i guess just to kind of go back a little bit i was just kind of curious like where you grew up and like what are kind of some of your earliest memories of photography well i i grew up in salt lake city okay. and uh still consider it home i don't get there much anymore mm. but it's still in a fun place in my heart. And uh, I I remember being told sophomore year of high school by my mother, who had been a graduate, of, a Stanford graduate in journalism, that if I didn't get some extracurricular activities, I probably wasn't going to get into a good school. Oh, wow. So I, among other things, I signed, I later ran for president, which I didn't win, but I did run. Uh, but I, for junior year, I signed up for the yearbook and was taken onto the, the staff. And they had one of these applications where you had to explain which thing you wanted to do. 
business staff, literary staff, art staff, or photo. And I think photo was the last one, and I just kind of went through the first three. It's like, well, none of those really do anything for me. Let's try the photo thing, so I X that. And then the next September when school started, like the first week, I remember being in the dark room with our uh, faculty advisor, Mr. Blackham, and the lights going out, and he flips the light on the enlarger, and this negative is being projected, and the cone of light coming down on the white paper, and the paper going into the developer, and seeing that first picture develop, and the hundreds of them subsequently, just was like a little stroke of magic, and I think my age, who were from the film generation, uh, we were just kind of mesmerized by the magic of that film, or the rather the paper developing in the deck hall. That was just something mm. very cool and very special. And um, it was like if once you learn how to do it, you had your own little sense of of what kind of magic you could make. So yeah. uh, I think really, I, I was going to be a math major in college. I wanted to be a uh, uh, an engineer and build rockets for NASA and go to the moon and wow. all of that good stuff. And I was an advanced math kid all the way through, through high school. But I think by, by senior year of high school, I was really convinced that photography is what I wanted to do. And my mother was, my dad were kind of like, well, you know, you should, you always do that on the weekends, but you need to have like a real job. Yeah. And, uh, and I ended up, starting in, in math in college, but I had a mumbling calculus professor in my sophomore year, and I just couldn't stand it anymore. So I swapped out of that and got into political science. That was my ended up being my major. And I went to a Colorado College, a great little school in Colorado Springs, but basically no photo department. Uh, but there was, you know, for like, in those days, for like 350 or 400 bucks, the downtown photo store would develop and make three by five prints of your row of black and white. Okay. And so that was cool. And then one other guy and I uh, found out where the secret keys were hidden for the physics department photo lab. And we were, you know, we even got in and developed ectochrome E4 wow. a couple of times. Like, you know, turn the lights on halfway through to re-expose it. And like, oh my God, <laughs> the worst. Developing color was, further my mind or desire. I just, that, that wasn't fun. Yeah. But I knew how to make a print and I could develop film and I was not a bad printer actually for a while. But it, then it just, it came to be on so many stories that I would be shipping my film. Once I started working in the press, mm-hmm. I would be shipping my film. And so it was kind of taken out of your hands in many ways. Uh, even though you know, I could still print something. I mean, I could still make make a decent print, or at least on the second try. Um, but it be you know, and then the whole way it's become this sort of digital world the last twenty years. Um, it's it's not the same as it was. There is there's maybe less alchemy involved in just getting film developed and processed right, but. There's, it's still fun to see those images come up. I, occasionally, I, I'm in a lab, and I'll always be very happy to see when I'm in a, uh, a high school or a college that still has a wet lab. Oh, yeah. Many left. It's, 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 uh, 
It's rare these days. Um, it's hard to find, but there's still a few out there, and the kids are learning it. But it's a little bit, you know, like the, the resurgence in vinyl and people listening to music, uh, you know, film and, and uh, printing on an enlarger, it's still a little bit of that sense of there was something cool about the old way of doing it. Yeah, definitely. It's a, it's Mind a... you, it's very cool when I see a 22-inch print come off of my Canon, another Canon stand <laughs> here. Yeah. And you see a big print come out in five minutes, like, wow, that is cool. It's <laughs> not magic. <laughs> it isn't magic like Dectal with a piece of metalless paper, yep. but it's still pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I guess when you're finishing uh, college, you went for political science. Um, what was kind of your first step into like, getting into the photography world, um, kind of getting your work out there and started working for a magazine? I, uh, I decided I wanted to go back to the in the uh, spring break of my junior year of college. Mm. And I had actually been working in Salt Lake City uh, right out of high school and then after sophomore year. Both of those summers, I worked for a weekly paper in Salt Lake. I was the kind of the, I'd go shoot the stuff, I'd develop them, I'd make, in some cases, I'd make screen prints for the uh, for the press. Other other times, I'd just make a print and somebody else would worry about the print. And it was, um, that was great fun. I mean, it was really, uh, I didn't get paid that much, but it was a really fun job and kind of really, reminded me of why I was interested because you could go out, shoot something, process it. I mean, this was a weekly paper. It didn't come out but once a week. Okay. Uh, so it wasn't like you would know the next day if something was going to get used. But I, I would still occasionally go to a basketball game where I would find out. I had a friend whose neighbor worked for the Salt Lake Tribune. And we'd find out when or which which... Uh, basketball games are being covered by the paper. They'd send out two or three of their own guys. And then he and I would go to a game that they weren't going to cover. And we'd shoot the first half. Uh, this was all on a 120, a Yashica map, an old twin lens camera with a, yeah. um, a strobe on the side. You know, it was like very basic stuff. But we'd take our roll of film and drive down Friday night and they would very nicely process the film and make a couple of prints if it looked like there was something good there. And then we generally leave around 10 o'clock, 1030. And we wouldn't know until the next morning if they had used our picture or not. But when they did, it was like such, such an, a, a jolt of excitement that like, Hey, I got a picture in the paper. They spelled my name, right? <laughs> they paid me five bucks. Yeah. Okay. That was cool. <laughs> and then when I was leaving, paper that night they would hand me a fresh roll of film so i wasn't out of on the film either mm. and it was like three for three man and when you're 16 that's pretty cool yeah definitely is it still exciting for you to see your work in print like i know um i love to see it yeah when, I, when it's, especially when something's well done and i have and uh this month's national geographic the july issue just coming out i have uh i worked on a story with uh which ended up being kind of carved up between three or four photographers, but there were a lot of geographic displacements that we had to go in different places. And I was in the main, in the main, I was in China, and actually I did go to Utah for a couple of days. And I have, you know, two or three pictures in the story, and um, and it would have been nice to have more, but I'm in that story with some really good 
people, Robert Clark, John Hewitt, wow. um, Mark Thiessen, and uh, Nicole Sobecki. I mean, and everybody is kind of doing a slightly different version of what they do in the same story. So it was kind of fun. Now, that's exciting. I was going to ask you about that because I believe the whole theme of the article was about human performance, correct? That's right. That's right. The idea was, you know, it, I mean, it was crazy because they, the idea was it's going to come out at the time of World uh, World Cup, mm-hmm. but they didn't have any soccer pictures in there, which I thought was kind of weird. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, you can't tell them how to run their magazine. <laughs> <laughs> so what kind of stuff like how they'd like to something. <laughs> yeah. How did that uh what did they have how did what did they have you photographing for that article and like um Well, I went I was in China for uh like eight or nine days and several different uh athletic uh centers in Nanjing and in uh where else in Hunan and uh I can't remember the capital of Hunan. Mm. But we went basically to two places where and in each town, there were these multiple big uh, athletic centers where they train young athletes. And, and the, for me, the really interesting stuff was what was uh, done with the little kids. That was where I was trying to get onto it, where you had gymnasts and divers yep. uh, starting at the age of you know seven, eight, nine years old. They're wow. really looking for kids who are uh, limber and smart and can learn and can figure it out and also have the strength to and can build themselves up. So that was that was pretty interesting. And actually I think we ran one of those pictures in the article. As more stuff ran online than it's in the magazine. Mm. Uh and then I was in Germany for uh about a week. Uh what what happened and I can't even tell you what year it was, but some years ago there was a World Cup in which Germany did not do very well and the powers that be got very angry and said we we can't let this happen anymore we need to start developing players at a younger age you know we have a few superstars Mm. and they'll always be there but we need to have a a broader wider um, selection of athletes so they started uh, these academies which they have now in uh, Germany and Spain, I think in France. I thought I didn't go there. I was I was at uh, in Barcelona, and then in a couple of places in Germany. And they have kids that are kind of it's like it's sort of like the combination of American Legion ball and minor leagues of okay. baseball in the states, where yeah. they start uh, the kids like in primary school, mm-hmm. and there will be a small cadre of them who live in in dorms and the rest kind of live out in the city and then come for their three, four hours of soccer every night. And so that was part of the thing that, and those, uh, you know, those pictures didn't make, make it, uh, the stuff in China was also very interesting. Mm. And then I did a thing and, um, and well, a couple of other things. One was this, um, sort of high tech machine, that they have created this domed room. The room is, is completely like a 360 um, projectable room in which they have uh, treadmills and stuff. So that people are, are uh, walking and running, uh, even though they're not going anywhere, 
it looks like they are with all the stuff around them. So the sensory perception oh, is wow. of, uh, of the world moving around them as they run and walk mm. and hike and they can, they can make it be very steep or, or, or shallow. Mm. Um, and so there's stuff like that. And in Utah, there were these two brothers, the Fletcher brothers who were, uh, Nordic combined athletes, which is ski jumping and cross country. And they were using this thing that looks like a, a set of Bluetooth earphones, but it's really got these little contact points in it and, and it touches your head, it touches your scalp and tries to help muscle memory become something which is more highly attainable using the stimulus from this thing. Wow, it's pretty high. Honestly, I don't quite get it, but it was like, <laughs> they're kind of like, well, that's a cool thing that you're wearing there, you know. And so sometimes you're just trying to illustrate something that that is, you know, it. in a way it it's hard to know exactly how to be very uh, detailed in the engineering and the discussion of it. But mm. you're just trying to show what something is or what it's about. That's interesting. And I guess when you're working on an assignment like that with like Nat Geo, um, how much input are they like, are they kind of giving you like on what they want? Or are they kind of this kind of give you a broad, well, was, broad idea? Was, and then... You know, the, um, the stuff on, on soccer was pretty, um, uh, you know, it's pretty detailed. We talk about it ahead of time mm -hmm. and the China stuff we had, we, uh, worked with a very good, uh, fixer in Shanghai and, uh, She's in Nanjing, and she just, you know, explained what we're trying to do. We're really trying to get a look at what it is that lets China produce these great gymnasts and divers, and they're very; those are both sports where they're very strong. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, they were able to talk to to the people that ran these these academies, and that's kind of what got us in there. And it's, you know, that's the kind of stuff that really is interesting when you're, especially when you. Be one thing to go to St. Petersburg, Florida, or to uh, Scottsdale and see little league players playing, but yeah. you know it's less exotic than when it's something that you're not really familiar with. So it's that it was fun. It was it was good stuff, and I I, mean, I think there's some good pictures came out of it. And you know, in the end, they only have so many pages, so that's that's also yeah, it's tough. And you know, one thing I was going to ask you, looking at all the work you've done. Um, have you always been drawn to photojournalism since you started out with photography? Has that always been kind of your interest? Um, yeah, I mean, I everything I do is with some eye of getting getting it published somewhere. I mean, I I don't really want to have the pictures just sit in my uh, in my drawer. Mm -hmm. You know, I uh, what I'm really interested in is trying to get the stuff seen by people mm. and. You know, sometimes that's harder than others, but at the same time, it's also, uh, you know, it's a good, it's, you know, it's what we do to just kind of get, get aiming at something. You have to have a little bit of, of, uh, you put your crosshair somewhere, what you want to do. And I, I was really, uh, very happy to try and be able to be the person who is showing somebody who didn't know about something, what's going on somewhere else. I mean, that's really what journalists do. And, and it's always been in my book, the most interesting part of it, trying to share it. Yeah, definitely. And you know, one thing I was kind of curious about, 
um, looking at all the stuff you photographed, you photographed some like pretty difficult stories, be it like uh, after Katrina or the Iranian Revolution. Um, have you always been like like a confident person, like going into these tough situations, or do you think you've kind of gotten stronger at it over time since you've been doing it a long time? Like, well, some of these things, you some of the, I definitely experience counts. You know, you have to figure out how to make something work. Uh, you know, but how do you how do you operate? I mean, there are some people in this business who are great operators. Mm -hmm. And it's not everybody. And there are days when I have certainly felt like a total uh, rookie. Yep. But then, you know, it's you just hope that you're not uh, keeping yourself out of the line of, of learning. You never want to stop learning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because like one photo in particular, I was looking on your website. It was a portrait of a man. I believe it was after Katrina, and it was a portrait of him in his house that had been completely flooded. Um, like, how do you approach those situations? Because it's this guy who's it's this very guy. tough. Yeah, because yeah. he, he's lost everything, and it's like you want to take a photo of him, but at the same time, it's like you don't want to be too intrusive and, like, I guess not take advantage of him. But you know what I mean? It's, it is a tough situation. It's like, how do you mediate those? Is it this? You feel like you're just good at talking with people? You think? Well, I think. Uh... Sincerity is really the the whole point here. I mean, it's uh, uh, it's one thing to try and BS people if you're trying to, you know, sneak into something where you're not wanted or they don't, you know. It's like I'm sure this week everybody's been trying to sneak into one of these places where the kids are held. And as far as I can tell, other than a couple of not very interesting pictures, yeah, the lawyers have taken with their phones. Nobody's gotten in. Mm -hmm. So I mean, that's Tough, and I think it's terrible that they're completely doing this uh, press blackout. I yeah. mean, they really are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, it, it's... On the other hand, there are times, as you say, when you get in and, and with her Getridge, the guy that you're talking about, it was just like, you know, it's it's a question of empathy and trying to, and and what I think people don't understand is that very often. People who have found themselves in, in a, a really funny situation mm. have, um, they're, they're not against having other people know about it. Maybe that's the Yeah, that makes sense. They, they want to, they want to know what people are going through. They, so they, they don't want, they don't want it to be hidden. They want people to know about it. And I think in many cases, they're, they're very happy, not happy, but they're, they're just thankful that, that we're there tell that story and I've been in a lot of places where uh, the fact that the, there were press people there in the beginning you might have thought it was not what was uh, what you really you know what you uh, what people would want but in the end they were happy to have someone there to tell their story yeah definitely it's uh, it's intense stuff but yeah, I definitely think it's important that people see those photos you know um, to tell those stories mm -hmm. And uh, one particular on your website, you photographed the Iranian Revolution. Um, it was a pretty wild series of photos. Had you photographed a conflict like that before you had gone out there for that? Yeah, I mean, I had, I had been in Vietnam for a couple of years. I had been in Chile. I'd been in a number of places. Uh, yeah, it was just, uh, it, it, the photos are intense because it was know, like, like... You never know if you're really ready for some terrible situation, some really tough situation, but 
I think you just you have to. A lot of times you're just trying to figure it out as it happens. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, definitely. There's intense because like people getting shot in the streets. You had some photos of like some funerals and you're photographing like these really religious leaders it was a pretty intense series of photos um that you captured there it was uh that you know, ran was really something it had it offered everything it was you know people being fighting with the uh, with the cops in the army and being chased and being shot at and and then these big intra-rivalry intramural rivalry rivalries that you would see and um and things could get out of hand very quickly, mm. and sometimes would. But it really, um, it, it's a real, you know, you kind of learn on the job or you, or you don't get it done. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, you know, looking at your website, um, a lot of your career, like you had mentioned before, is uh, covering politics is that something that you always like, uh, like strived? You you like wanted to photograph that, or like when did that kind of start to come about when you started photographing? Well, you know, I was a poli sci major, but I have to say, and I think it probably predated that. But mm -hmm. I photographed John Kennedy when he came to Salt Lake City when I was still a high school kid, my senior in high school. And I don't know, I just and my summer job with Time Magazine was the first time I went to the White House, and I just kind of fell into like finding that was interesting and that, that there's so much going on in the world of uh, of politics that affects all of us that it is something that we need to be mm. to be able to uh, relate to and, and those are stories that need telling mm. yeah definitely because I mean you photographed like Nixon LBJ Bush Obama um, all the presidents, it looks like, uh, like I think last... Everybody four. since Kennedy, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, what are kind of some of the challenges of, like, photographing presidents? Because I would imagine uh, they probably don't well, give you a Well, in most cases, it's, it's a question of control more than anything else. Mm -hmm. They really don't want anything that they don't want. So you're always kind of in this place where you're, you're trying to look for some little moment and... This is one of the things that really bothered me about uh, Obama was that somewhere along the way, somebody, I don't know who, but some genius in the press department decided, uh, I think we should stop doing all these little uh, uh, photo ops every day that don't really mean anything. And the thing is, you had great photographers in, in the White House press corps. So you had some really good people mm -hmm. and they were constantly looking for like the most subtle little moments. And, and once they started to like take away these simple little events, which were not really great earth shaking events, but yeah. they may not have been, but what they were was a chance to actually see, uh, see the president. And, and so that is, I think really too bad that it's kind of gone uh, now, with President Trump, it's much different. He, he's a big fan of cameras. He's not so happy about the uh, correspondence, but he likes, like the other day, there was a cabinet meeting, and they had to press in there for 33 minutes so that he could, you know, yeah. say what he wanted to say, and that's one way he does it. So, anyway, I, it's, it's a, it, every administration is different. Everyone is 
there, there's a different, mm. um, I don't know, there's a different ethos, I would say, to each, each of the, whoever the president is, they've got their own little thing going on, and uh, it's not always what you want, it's not always what the public wants, but I think it's, it's, uh, uh, I think it's important that we, uh, that we not let up, especially when, when things are trying and when there's more, mm. uh, sort of civil question about what, what's going on. This is a time more than, more than usual, that we've got to really pay attention and try and tell stories with pictures. Yeah, definitely push harder and get as much as you can. Um, yeah. I mean, looking back at all the administrations you photographed, was there one that particularly that you feel like you got stronger photos from or that you enjoyed covering more than others, you think? Or is it all this kind of... Well, I would say if you want to talk about enjoying and and, and the guy uh, in, in, in charge himself, Jerry Ford, who was really only president for wow. like two years, but um, great guy. And as opposed to basically everybody else, he did not really want to be president. He didn't set out to be president. Yeah. You know, he was, he was happy in Congress and then he got named vice president. And then, uh, you know, Nixon goes, boom, mm. he's the president of the United States, but he was like a great guy and a wonderful, uh, you know, I didn't always think everything he did politically was, was what I believe, but that really didn't matter. The whole, Thing that really, the only thing that really matters is that you have uh, the transparency, and at least the public can see what's going on. And, yeah. and he was a great, and he, in addition to which, he was a great guy. And his photographer, Dave Kennelly, was really more than anybody before or since uh, aided uh, photographers from the press to get inside access with the president. And that's just kind of all gone away. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, that, that's, uh, I mean, covering politics, uh, like, like you mentioned, like when you're covering these guys, obviously you're not going to have the same beliefs uh, with some of their policies and whatnot. Do you feel it's like important you kind of take yourself out of it when you're covering these guys? It's just, you, you, you know, I, I mean, I've covered people I like and covered people I don't like. And I'm, I'm just always trying to make an honest picture of what's going on. Mm. And I think that's really what it's about more than anything else. I mean, it's, uh, you know, the era of fake news. Yeah. God, I hate that term. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> uh, I mean, there are a lot of, you know, there are, there are a lot of people that put a lot on the line to try and tell the story of what's going on in the world. And a lot of them are photographers and, and a whole lot of people would pay the price. Mm. And I just would, uh, I guess I would just, be happy to see that we're treating the concept of a free press with a little more respect. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, one thing I, was, I always ask people um, when I talk to them about their photography is, like, how would you kind of describe your photographic style and approach? Uh, is there, like, something, like, a your kind of going after like when you photograph are you trying to have a distinct look to your work or is it kind of something that kind of evolves over time or how do you kind of approach that aspect of your photography Gee, I, I don't know uh, I mean I'm uh, I try not I mean I, there, 
obviously, uh, you know, the decision to use a speed graphic instead of a 35 millimeter camera was a stylistic one as much as anything. But, so, you know, there's a combination of uh, when you're in a situation where people, uh, you know, you know times when you're doing a big event and they don't really know you're there, you're just part of the crowd. Mm. And then there are times when you're just, uh, you know, doing portraits, series of portraits, something. And I think the presence of a big camera slows things down a little bit, yep. necessarily, just because it's slower to work. And um, because of that, it, I think, gives you a, a little different window into your subject. So, yeah. I mean, I, I don't try and get what I think is too fancy or too cute. Mm. Uh, you know, I'd like to get people into situations that they're comfortable with, mm -hmm. for the most part, and or uncomfortable, <laughs> you know, but just, I'm going, I'm trying to get what is, that's all. Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And, uh, you know, another aspect of your career I was interested in talking about is uh, you've covered the Olympics for years. Um, mm -hmm. Do you remember the first Olympics you covered? And, like, how many, how many Olympics have you covered at this point? Well, Korea, I think, was my 11th. Okay. I, I could count them up here. Mm. Uh, I, I remember, I it's either 11 or 12, but um, I went to the 84 games in Los Angeles. That was my first. Olympics, and I'm actually a little surprised that I hadn't really been to, a, been to the Olympic Games before that, but uh, sometimes you just, you know, things slip by, and mm. you wonder why you missed it. Yeah. And then once it started, it was like, yeah, this is great. Let's <laughs> just keep this up. Let's keep doing it. Yeah, what do you enjoy about photographing? Yeah, what do you enjoy about photographing well, the Olympics? It is the Olympics is, is tough. It it uh, it takes so much out of you. It's a lot of work. Mm. It's very uh, you know it's kind of unending for for a uh, for like two and a half, almost three, sometimes three weeks if you get there early. Yeah, and it, there's just a lot to do, and you uh, so you're balancing. Where am I going to spend? This morning, this is where am I going to be tonight, and what the you know what what is really the important one, or what you're going to do people, what is my yep. my uh, uh, job going to be in this working with this team? But it, it's really um, it's great because you're surrounded by these great athletes, and you're also surrounded by great photographers. Mm. So it's kind of always described it as a little bit like the photographers Olympics because <laughs> like the, if you don't make it the people right next to you are just going to blow you out of the water yeah with their pictures so it, it kind of has this self-perpetuating uh desire of get it right and do it do it well you know mm, yeah definitely and I guess like how do you approach like you kind of touched on a little bit uh like when you're covering the Olympics do you kind of go in with a game plan like you're going to photograph these events or does it kind of change as the Olympics kind of goes on and how it kind of plays out? Do you kind of, this kind of, well, it's, it's a, uh, it depends. I mean, if you're working by yourself, you're working for the magazine or with a, with a group that has a, uh, you know, where you're part of a team and then, you know, there's certain things that have to be covered and therefore, you know, if somebody else can't do it, you're going to do it. You know, there's that, but then, there are certainly uh, 
some things that we we just all want to be there for the hundred meter final. You know, mm-hmm. that some of these some of these amazing events where you just see the uh, you know world records are always being threatened. Yeah, definitely. And those are the ones you want to be able to to see. Mm-hmm. And how has uh, covering the Olympic Games changed over the years since you started? Is it a lot different how the access to photographers and everything since you kind of... The access, I don't think the access has really changed all that much. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, you still have a, um, you know, I, I'm not sure that there... I don't know. It would be interesting to know what the number of photographers at the Olympics. So I have a feeling it's down a little bit from what it was maybe mm. uh, 10, 15 years ago that, you know, a lot of papers and a lot of uh, photo budgets have been so uh, squished in the last uh, dozen years or so, the last 15 years, that it wouldn't surprise me if there are actually fewer photographers, but there's still hundreds of photographers. I mean, it, there's a lot of people at every... Olympics, whether it's summer or winter, and sometimes you wonder, like, gee, where do all these people come from? Now, where, where, yeah, where is that? Where are their pictures going? But there's an enormous appetite for it, so it kind of creates a yeah. chance to. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, and you know, that kind of going off that, I was, I was going to ask you, is this like being that you've been uh, working professionally, I think, well, over fifty years as a magazine photographer. Um, how has the business changed since you got into it? And, like, where do you see Well, the business, is, the business has totally changed, yeah. changed. I mean, magazines with budgets and pages, you know, that was, uh, it, that's just kind of gone. I mean, it just kind of has gone away. And that's really, my point of view is really too bad. That was where I, I did a lot of my work. And, so you still have magazines, but they don't have the budget, so they're just going to get it from one of the agencies or a wire service. And, mm-hmm. you know, everybody, they, there is this, what used to be a drive for singular excellence, and now they're the thing that you've, I mean, I don't really hear people saying it, but they kind of act like, well, it's good enough, you know. It may not be great, but it's good enough. And I think there's, a lot of good enough out there and that's one of those things that that you know makes it harder if you're a 25 year old kid and trying to get in this business mm. it's much harder now because the resources are much fewer and the, the number of, uh, of big budget people who would just take a flyer on you like they used to mm-hmm. with some of the news magazines yep. it's uh it's just a whole lot less uh, wonderful than it was for all those years when there was stuff going on, you know. Yeah, do you feel like do you feel like part of that is just like um, I guess with I guess with social media and the internet, do you feel like that kind of changed the game? Yeah, no, you... it's just like the whole digital thing and and the internet's everywhere. And everybody's got a camera, everybody's got a phone, and mm-hmm. so it's just kind of it's not like we we have less pictures. I mean, we're kind of inundated with pictures. Yeah, and and. That's, I wouldn't say that's necessarily a great, um, you know, the fact that we have this avalanche of imagery, some of which is great and a lot of which is so great. Looking at your career, uh, do you feel like it was kind of like a, 
slow and steady build for you? Um, or was there like one job or thing that kind of like catapulted you into like where you are now? Or was it like a lot of peaks and valleys being like a freelance guy and with everything? Um, or do you feel like it was this kind of slow and steady build for everything you've done? Um, I'm trying to think if there was one particular. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think, you know, like working freelance it can be tough i know this from my own experience i've been doing like 10 years mm-hmm. it's there's there can be a lot of ups and downs or do you feel like it was like that for you or there was like one opportunity that kind of uh, it's it is uh it has never really been easy i mean mm-hmm. there were times when there was more money and more resources out there but it's never been i would say it's never been easy and yep. and so we end up uh i don't know you just end up you're always struggling. Talented people, really good people, are struggling to make a living. I mean, it's not like yep. it's so easy out there now, you know. Mm-hmm. It's not. Yeah. It is definitely not. Yeah, definitely. Um, do you feel like you you kind of just have to like hustle and kind of just create opportunities for yourself? Be you got you got to do all that. You have to. You, I mean, the one thing that editors used to say, and which I think probably is still true, is that. They have a lot of photographers who are, uh, well, how to put it? I mean, there are a lot of people who are ready to go on assignment, but what they're looking for are photographers with ideas. Yep. Like your own idea and something that you've either done or started to do or have enough to be able to show what it is mm-hmm. you want to do. It's it's that kind of initiative and that, that kind of, you know, bringing something to the party instead of just showing up and drinking everybody else's beer. Yeah, definitely. Is that something you kind of did over your career? You were kind of in between? Well, I don't know. I mean, I've, I've tried to come up with a few of these, uh, a few things that, you know, mm-hmm. I, I sometimes was a little slow to pick up on, on something even right next to me, but I was very good once somebody else said, hey, that's pretty cool. And I was yeah. like, duh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why, yes, it is. Yeah. And, uh, so I mean I I don't know I think um, I think that there's still a a desire to see what um, what you know what you can bring mm-hmm. to the table that will make somebody be interested in you in addition to your work but you know your ideas that really count. Uh, one thing I noticed you you started your own photo agency called Contact Press Images. Um, what yeah. what kind of prompted you to start that, and uh, what do you guys um, uh, do basically? Well, I've been I've been working for uh, the Gamma Agency, the French agency, for a couple of years, mm-hmm. and we had an office in New York, and and just little things started to not be working. Stuff wasn't getting uh, edited on time or in the right way and just little stuff like that. And so with the guy who was then the, the New York keeper of the office, I just said, well, Jesus, we're going to make mistakes or mistakes are going to be made. Why don't we make our own mistakes? Let's start our own group. You know, we've been around for 43 years. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's a tough business now. It's a tough business for anyone. I don't think, you'll talk to anybody who's got like way too much work or yeah, gee, we're selling too many, we're selling too many pictures. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's not something that you hear right now. And yeah. so 
it's you know we're we're kind of at a uh, at a tough point in 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 our world professionally mm-hmm. trying to get get things going again and it's and it is really a uh, it is a challenge because it's just not uh, something that we're um, I don't know, just everybody had kind of hoped that it was going to meld into something else or that there would be some kind of really nifty uh, new version of uh, a magazine. You know, we thought maybe tablets would be that, and basically uh, tablets did not really move the needle mm-hmm. at all that I can tell. Yeah, it's tough. Like so, You know, we're all kind of struggling... Even the people that have been in the business forever, you know, we're all struggling, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, we're we're all hoping to make something where it maybe wasn't before. But it's it's just it's a tough tough business now, and yet you know if you're going to do it, you have to really decide that that's what you want to do because it's not the yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah definitely you got to have a passion for it like there's a, it's not yeah it's not the steady career um you really got to be in it for the passion of it's, just making pictures you got to really decide that it's what you want to want to be doing because mm. it, it's so it's so hard to well I'll just put it the other way it's so easy to just be sort of uh bummed out by a couple of things that don't work out like, mm-hmm. well yeah but it happens to everybody but yeah that's what happens yes pick yourself back yeah. up and keep going um yeah and you know and and you have to be you do have to be thoughtful you have to have ideas and have to try and figure out what you can do that maybe nobody thought of before which is hard because there are a lot of people working at it but that's really what what editors are looking for yeah definitely and you know kind of going off that one thing i was going to ask you is um, do, mm-hmm. do you feel like it's important to embrace new technologies? Um, cause looking at you, you seem like you're pretty active with like Instagram and, uh, I noticed your Facebook page, you're always posting up on there and writing mm-hmm. stuff. And do you feel it's, uh, this well, I'm, I'm, sorry, I'm much more, uh, active on, uh, Facebook, I think, than I am mm-hmm. Instagram. Of course, everybody who's under 30 tells me, oh, you got it right. You know, Instagram is where it's at. Yeah. Maybe that's true. I don't know. I I have really enjoyed writing these these uh, text pieces to go with what I've been doing. And to me, that's been, as much as anything, that's really been the, uh, the, the thing that I find that's kind of the most fun is to come up with something that's like my own little miniature published article, you know. Yeah, no. And at some point, I'm trying to put a book together, and I hope that these will be kind of the blueprint for yeah. uh, the, the pieces I'm going to do for a book. But, you know, in many ways, for me, these are like kind of run throughs, really a, a chance to kind of see if I can even write about it. Yeah. It's been fun. Yeah, no, I enjoyed it. I was looking at it um, the other day, and yeah, you're you're a really good writer. Is that something you've always enjoyed doing? No, thank or you. Kind of no, I mean, it's this is a pretty new thing. I mean, I'm, uh, I was never a very good note taker in the field. Uh, I sort of joke about it, but I wish I'd been better. <laughs> there are a lot of there would be a lot of people I'd love to catch up with now that I yeah probably never will. But you know, you can't. 
Yeah, you can't do everything, even though some people can and actually are pretty good at it. But yeah, yeah. It's, most people aren't good at everything. So yeah, you're lucky. I, I look at it, you're lucky if you're you're lucky if you're good at one thing. That's how I kind of look at it. I don't know. You know, if you can be good at one thing, you're you're in the ballpark. That's for sure. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And uh, you know, I guess just to kind of wrap up. Uh, being that, mm-hmm. being that you've been doing this for over fifty years, um, what do you think is kind of the key to your success, and what kind of keeps you going? Well, I think the key is to just never stop looking for fresh ways of looking at things, or mm-hmm. uh, you know, just treat, try. Oh, you know, I'm, I'm always trying to find not just something as as a gimmick, although you know, photography is kind of a gimmick. So like in a way, the whole of photography is a little bit of a gimmick. You know, we're trying to take three dimensional something and reduce it to two dimensions, either in black and white or color or some other form. Yeah. But it's really, um, you, you, you have to maintain your enthusiasm. And I think that's probably the most important thing of all. Yeah, definitely. And then my last question, Stay, you got to, Stay psyched. Yeah, definitely. Let's have a passion for it. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess this my last question is, uh, do you still have any goal, goals for your photography moving forward or any projects you're hoping to work on uh, coming up? Well, the one thing I really would like to do is to figure out a way, something that makes sense of what I can do with my 50 years of pictures and, and do a, a book or something like a book yeah. with it and end up bringing it all together. You know, I, that's what I'm kind of looking at now, and it's never been easy to figure that out, and it's not getting any easier. But <laughs> yeah. it definitely, and you know, that I think is, is something that I really do need to do. Mm-hmm. So, no. um, you know, that's get exciting. lucky and kind of figure it all out. Great. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's exciting. And, uh, yeah, I just want to thank you, David, for taking the time to come on here. It was a real pleasure for me. Well, I appreciate it. Um, like I mentioned. Uh, when, when does this go live? Uh, I'm going to release it on Monday, so I'll send you the link and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but okay. I guess for people listening, where's the best place to check out your work? Well, you can see my work at davidburnett.com. Mm-hmm. And I'm on Instagram. I don't Really, I'm not on Instagram the way I probably should be, but at David Burnett Photo, F-O-T-O. Yeah, keep posting. But my website, I've got a lot of stuff on my website. Perfect. So maybe that's a good place to I'll link. I'll link yeah. it on there, and people can go check it out. And I'll, I'll uh, also link the uh, show coming up July 12th. If you're in the Boston area, uh, down in Cape Cod, uh, at uh, 46 Main yeah. Street in Orleans, I believe it's July twelfth at six o'clock. There'll be a yeah. show. A show six and people, to eight. Yeah, come yeah, see six, it. Six to eight people can go check it out, and I'll link it. I on should there. announce. I should see if anybody's really listening. So we're giving away a lens to everybody who comes up. <laughs> <in. No. laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Dave. Yeah, so. Anyway, I hope some of your listeners can come by. Yeah, definitely. Well, uh, thanks, David. We can cut it there. Okay. Take care. So there you have it. That was the David Burnett interview. I want to thank David so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. It was a real pleasure getting a chance to speak with him about all his work and everything that he's done within photography over his career. Um, been a big fan of his work for years, so can't thank him enough. Uh, definitely go check out David's website at davidburnett.com. 
lots of amazing work on there um definitely go check that out and uh also this show i want to uh mention going forward i'm going to be having weekly podcasts every monday on itunes soundcloud as well as on my website alexgagnephoto.com and on my instagram at alexgagnephoto thanks so much for listening and take care